You are now listening to the All Right Talk Show with me, your host, Shane Trainer. Get insider knowledge as we explore the world of business, travel, property, investing, healthy mindsets, and everything in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Auric Talk Show. This week I'm talking with Sam Cook, who runs his property company, Fold Cook Property Solutions. We'll be talking how Sam quickly got started in property, the mindset surrounding it, and if having a mentor is vital. Sam, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? Yeah, no, not a problem at all. Uh, it's good to be here, doing well. Um, just raving today because, as I was saying earlier, the property market's still open um so <laughs> i'm in a good mood with that because it were a little bit touch and go where i thought what am i going to do with myself for a month but yeah besides lockdown I'm, I'm good yeah excellent it was a bit of good news wasn't it to get the fact that uh, the property market is indeed open to continue investing in it yeah no it's, de- it's definitely good news for us because like i said i'd be kind of be sat on my hands for a month if not yeah good stuff so excellent so right uh let's get a bit of background then so who are you and what do you do to talk about, uh, yeah, what you're doing in property? Yeah, so I've been deal packaging now since April last year. Um, it's been a bit of an interesting journey because I'm 21, so I'm, I'm a bit younger than the average kind of start. And I was an estate agent before that for a short while. Um, essentially, the way I got into it is I knew I wanted to get into property. Um, so I went into a estate agency because as someone with no experience, it just seemed like the natural path at the time um, kind of realized with state agency it wasn't my cup of tea and no offense to any state agents that might listen you don't actually need to know too much about property to to be an estate agent it's more about the local area um, so leaving there that happens literally just as lockdown mark one happened so i'd left my job and then lockdown happened and i was left you know, with no job, no income, thinking, right, what am I going to do now? And that's actually, oddly enough, when I connected with my mentor, which I'm sure we'll come on to later on, and started up my property sourcing business. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I started in property and how it went from there. Awesome. Did you did you find, uh, well, actually, let's talk about the what made you go into, into sourcing. Uh, was it just that you thought that was the, the kind of gateway into property or? Yeah, it, it felt like the natural gateway um, because, and, and I know this is a stereotypical, I didn't have any money um, kind of start. Um, my original plan was to start flipping houses and go from there. But the more I was researching online, reading books and, you know, connected with my mentor, the more property sourcing seemed like that easy, natural path into property. And a lot of the property professionals I knew and had, had spoken with had all kind of started outsourcing. So I thought it's something I'd give a go. Yeah, it's a, definitely a great way to raise some capital. You've done uh, correctly, but would you agree that it's, because I've, I've speak to some property sources myself and they say it's, it's, it's kind of like what you would get, what most people want to start in because, you know, it, it sounds good, doesn't it? Find your deals, pass them on to investors, get a fee sort of thing. But would you say that it's it's quite difficult? Yeah, I, I'd say it can be very difficult um, for the reason being that 
I started out with the mindset, you find a good deal, you find an investor, you know, you meet in the middle and get that fee. But the problem is what's a good deal to me is different to a good deal to someone else. And unlike a standard business where you've got to find your product, well, well where you've already got your product and you just find your customer uh, with property sourcing, you've got to find your customer and you've got to find the product and you've got to make sure that that product is the right fit. So it can definitely be challenging. And I'd say it's a lot more challenging than people led to believe starting out. And I'd say it's definitely taken me just under a year to fully grasp and understand how it works and the things that I've done wrong, the things I've done right and what to do differently going forward. Yeah. So you've kind of, you've learned a lot this year, haven't you, in terms of business uh, and I guess like the mind, your mindset has probably developed a lot from probably, let's say for instance, a complete year ago. Oh, completely without a doubt. Um, I think a lot's changed. Definitely what I've learned in property, but I'd, I'd agree that the biggest thing that's changed for me is my mindset. And it's made the complete change. Yeah, I can I can imagine. Was and, and you know, in order to to grow a business, we do have to grow ourselves, do don't we? As a, as a person. Yeah. And so, with your uh, education background, has any of your education background helped with what you do in property, or is it completely like opposite end of the spectrum? Um, opposite end of the spectrum. So my my education, um, I was never in particularly the smartest kid in school but I wasn't um the worst either I was always just kind of flying by just doing okay just average um and then I left I was originally wanting to be a vet oddly enough which is what I was training to do um I worked in a monkey sanctuary which was a really odd start awesome. and then yeah and I had just an apprentice when I was 16 but all my previous roles have been sales and customer service so property um was a complete 180 from anything i'd ever done before and especially running the business that was something i'd never even touched on yeah wow you've gone from <laughs> monkeys to uh to property that's insane yeah yeah, yeah it's definitely different well i think i might want to sack property and then go and play with monkeys <laughs> oh you'd be surprised the smell and <laughs> they're really not and the bite they're really not that fun Okay, I'll, I'll reconsider. They're just good to look at and uh, watch them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, God. Cool. So, yeah, we'll move on to um, having a mentor then. So let's go from the very first process of what made you go to having a mentor. Did people tell you you should have a mentor? Was it Because I read a lot of books that say, some say you don't need one. There's, the majority do say you do need one. And did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Tell us, walk us through that process. With a mentor, um, I had, starting off, I had a really negative opinion off it. The reason being is I went to a, like one of my first experiences in property is I went to a property seminar. It was a two hour free one. And they were just absolutely hammering you with like, you need a mentor, you need this, you need that. And because the sales were so aggressive, I kind of left there determined to make it on my own. So for me, having a mentor was something that I'd never actually set out to do. Um, I connected my mentor because when we were in lockdown, I started connecting with people in the property industry just to have conversations and, and understand a little bit more about how it worked. So I connected my mentor, Danielle Bell, on Facebook. I, I just sent her a message because I could see she was a sourcer and an investor. Um, I didn't know she was a mentor at the time. It was something that was quite a new aspect of her business. And when we spoke on the phone, we spoke for two hours, completely free. She didn't even mention mentorship. She helped me out so much. And at the end of kind of two hours of speaking to her, I just said, you know, would you mentor me? Is that something that you do? And it turns out that 
she has a couple of men she had a couple of mentees at the time and that's how I kind of got started with her and I'd highly recommend it for anyone really and and that's coming from someone who was against it in the beginning or didn't think much of it interesting yeah because there's as you said like a lot of people that I've spoke to there's there is that shift where some people love having a mentor and some people do like to go out on their own and I do know one person pops to mind where they they haven't had a mentor they've just been surrounded by people I guess it's right place right time and they've just kind of gone into where they like they've gone into property with someone who's meant could even be their like their dad that's mentored them in property but they didn't see it as a mentor but yeah different yeah completely I, I think a mentor can can take on different roles it could be a friend a family member and I don't think it's necessarily someone you always have to pay for but for me, and um, because I'm from quite a small town uh, in in the north, there's, there's not many people around that. Uh, trying to think out, it's quite a working class environment that I've been born in. So there's not as many mentor like figures that that run their own businesses or or strive for property and financial freedom and that kind of thing. So for me, I, I, I did need a mentor. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And obviously, you've got you've got your reasons, and uh, you know if if it makes you successful, which I'm pretty sure it will do. Um, cause sometimes like we, we, we know we want to be successful and we know we want to, we, we are hard workers, but we also kind of need that mental push sometimes, don't we? That accountability. And I think for me, accountability is a big one. I, I like to have that accountability to move forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, accountability is something I'm quite new to myself actually, but yeah, it's speaking to someone that's kind of been where you're at at the moment and having that guidance, and what I found most useful was hitting certain difficult situations. Like I've had investors try and go behind my back and get deals that I've sourced to them. Uh, and having that person that's been there before and saying, look, what do I do? Um, has, has been vital. And like you said, the accountability as well has really helped me a long way. Yeah, it definitely does. I couldn't agree more with that one. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned investors actually. Then. So let's move on to talking about investors. So, uh have you worked with investors much in the past year? And if so, um, how has that been for you? Yeah, so I've worked with a variety of different investors. Um, some of them were my own that I onboarded halfway through the year. Um, I set up a business partnership with a franchise that have access to 100,000 investors. Um, so I've, you know, I've met them for tea. I've also got my own investors who I speak to quite frequently. So I have dealt with a few. Um, it, I think with a property sourcing business, your investors will make or break you. Um, because when I was new to property and property sourcing, I felt inexperienced. I had imposter syndrome, which is basically you don't feel like you deserve to be where you are. So when an investor said to me, they want to deal with all the money back out and a 50% ROCE, you know, I, I thought that was possible. And if I couldn't find it, you know, on my head be it. Whereas in reality, the more experienced you get, you start to understand what deals are great deals and what deals are those unicorn deals that are going to be found, but maybe once a year. Mm. And I think as a property source, if you've got those right investors and you manage those expectations and they understand the deals you're going to bring to them and you understand the deals they need, I think that's how you go with more deals. Uh, and because I didn't know that early on, I've let some amazing deals slip through my fingertips. Um, because I just didn't have the confidence to promote it as an amazing deal. 
Oh, really? Okay. So you actually did have some really good deals then, but what made you lack that confidence? And is it, was that because you thought it wasn't a good deal or was that because you got told it wasn't a good deal by one single investor? I think it was just because it was my first time sourcing a property deal. Um, the, the only, at the time, just starting out, the only way I knew it was a good deal is if my mentor said it was. Um, because I only had three investors at the time, if it didn't match one investor's requirements, I automatically assumed that, well, it can't be a good deal then. But at the time, I didn't realise that every investor, you know, needs different things. Um, for example, one of them would have left £4,000 in after refinance and had like a, I think it was over a 50% ROCE. And, you know, that's a really good deal. Mm. But at the time, I was just thinking, oh, you know what, maybe £5,000 left in a deal is too much. And, you know, but obviously looking back, I understand that it just wasn't for the investors I had at the time. Absolutely, because I think like £5,000 in a deal, like, well, you know, it, it all, it's all dependent, isn't it? Like, depends if you are literally trying to, I mean, the the unicorn deals are like money out, complete money out, yeah. you know. Um, and, you know, they're the ones that everyone kind of looks for. But I think £5,000, I'll take that deal off your, off your hands, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. just goes to show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was 30 to 50% ROCE, I think. But yeah, th th that's what I mean. It's only when you speak to more investors that you understand, oh, actually, I just didn't have the right investor at the time. Um, and that's helped me in my business because when I'm speaking to an investor now, I can really manage our expectations. And I also understand that the sourcing fee that an investor pays isn't just for the deal. <clears throat> it's also for all the time saved and the energy saved and the after sales process as well. Um, so I think I've definitely learned to value myself a lot more than I was doing previously and understand the value in my service. Awesome. You know, that, and, and I think that was natural for you to think like that at the beginning because, you know, it, you've just you've grown your confidence over time. And that's natural, I think, for anybody uh, to feel uncomfortable with, within themselves because, you know, you're learning and you're growing and you're, you do question yourself because you're learning a new skill, essentially, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Completely. And I think property at, at the beginning can become so intimidating because you've got buy to let, BRR, you've got all these big words that get thrown around your HMOs and at first you're just like, what is this? But the more you get into it and dive into it and actually making mistakes, you start to slowly understand and learn. It, it is quite simple. Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, the more, more you do it, the more you get used to it and the more it becomes second nature. And um, I just want to touch on you know, these property sayings that are over, I had to write them down. I got like a mini dictionary that I created myself of all these sayings and half of them are made up. I think this one that makes me and my business partner laugh is OPM. Have you heard of that one? Oh, other people's money. What a load of bollocks. Yeah, you just raise an investor finance. No, it's not. OPM is... <laughs> God, it's like talking a different language, like, and that that puts people off in itself because you know these uh, these trainers they just make up acronyms out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I did have that one at a training event, the OPM, and yeah. it, it does make because they kind of made it sound like, wow, how do I go about getting OPM? That's a property source, <laughs> property sourcing, and raising finance goes hand in hand. And you realise that, you know, you literally find a suitable development and offer a return on the money. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's one of my favourites. It's well. like, um, I'm going to go and make a, 
a COP in the K, a cup of tea in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a bit daft, but, you know, I always have a little laugh and joke about that one because you, you, you do see it from time to time. But I think people have kind of, I've seen past that now. So, um, yeah, so when you do find new investors and you have like a call with them, you know, to get you on board your, uh, like, let's say, for instance, you, do you have like a, ma- I'm guessing you have like a mailing list or, or something like that, or maybe, or do you operate differently to that? Do you, when you get new deals, do you have, do you have a, a main list that you send out to all your investors or? Yeah, so I typically, <clears throat> before I book a viewing, I'll, I'll book a viewing and go view a property with an investor in mind. So it's almost like I'm shopping for someone. Um, so the viewings I've booked next week, I've got a handful of investors who I know will be interested in that and I'm going to view it for them um, because it's more of a personalised approach. I do know some people with a mailing list of 100 investors but personally, I just find that a very blind fire approach. And I think if you don't have that personal connection with someone, they're not really going to buy your deal. Why would they bother? Um, so, yeah, I prefer to work with a small number of investors and kind of tailor fit what they need to what I go and view. Yeah, and that works for you, doesn't it? Because I think that's what that's the kind of approach that I like uh, with you know investors that I'll work with. It will be like... I'll tailor it for them. So you're right, it's like a shopping list. They'll give me, right, I want uh, this re- return on investment or ROC or, um, you know, I want a, a semi, three-bed semi, you know, or exactly what they want or, you know, kind of a spectrum. And then I'll go out and find it for them. And I think that's, well, you, you know what you're looking for then, don't you? You're not wasting time on, on viewings and, and such. You're going out and exa- exactly, you can narrow it down what you go to look for. Yeah, yeah, com- completely. Uh, and the more you do that, the more you understand <clears throat> what what is kind of an acceptable thing to ask for and what are the ones that you think, there's no way on earth that's going to get found. And if it does, I'll be financing it myself. Um, so yeah, I, for me personally, it works better doing it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, cool stuff. Uh, so what would be your like uh, long-term plans? And so after you, are you doing this to raise capital then? to then buy your own portfolio and build that, build a bit of an empire? Yeah, so me and you met at the White Box Wednesday, the Christmas one, didn't we? We did um, indeed, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's given away my own goals a bit. And my, my goal <laughs> always been development. Um, I love seeing properties renovated, um, so that's always been my dream. It's just that when I started out, I assumed that I'd have to be a multimillionaire before that was even an option. Um so I think my goal is definitely is more the development side and raising finance and, and working with a team to start building bigger projects. And I do prefer the idea of build to rent as well. Um, and another one of my favourite strategies is serviced accommodation. Mm. So I, I think long term, I am looking to start building my own portfolio and, and start building properties as well. Yeah, wicked. I, I love that because that, that's exactly, you know, we're kind of aligned on that because that's ultimately what I want to be involved in down the line you know in the next within the next five years um developments and yeah raising finance as well as well you need to raise the finance and have the investors now which is what you're doing so when you do go to do the developments you'll have the the uh the investors ready to go for your projects then yeah essentially i think that's definitely the end goal and um I think that's the thing that really excites me. I mean, property sourcing does as well and all the property does, but I think we've all got that end goal that we're all really striving for. 
This podcast is sponsored by Paul McGee at ProSource Limited. Paul sources single-up properties in the Northwest for clients who want a more personalised approach. He deep dives into your property investment goals to help establish the best strategy for your individual needs and goes out to find properties that match. Using both on and off market techniques and an ethical approach, Paul ensures a win-win for both buyers and the sellers. So if you're looking to kickstart your investment journey into the Northwest, I urge you to contact Paul via his website www.prosourced.co.uk or through his Instagram at RealPaulMcGee and book a free call with him today. Tell us a bit more about your why then. Is it like you want to build like long-term wealth? Um, do you just want to like live on a yacht when you retire? Like what's your, what's your aspirations? <laughs> I think um, my why, so I don't know if you can see the rubbish goatee that I've tried growing. My <laughs> why is basically the without this I look 16 now without this I look 12 and I've been working in offices since I was 16 and basically all my life I've had I've been micromanaged bullied by managers bullied about by everyone that I work with because I look so young Um, I've always been kind of looked down on and I just hit a point where I thought you know what I don't want this anymore I want to build my own future live free and have more control over my life Um, you know if I want to go on a holiday go on a holiday it would be nice to have a nice car and my dad's also not too well, so it'd be to look after him. Um, and I don't know, just live a future that's a little bit more free where I can do what I want. Um, currently, I'm driving a Citroen C2 that's in the garage, and I've just left a job that I absolutely hate, and I kind of just don't want that for the rest of my life. Yeah, and I think you, you know, because I watch a lot of your videos, and you talk so with a really positive attitude, and you're always questioning yourself and then answering yourself in a, you know, in in a really positive way, and it just shows that you're you're growing. And I think, I mean, and you, you're a young guy as well, so you've got you know a long time ahead of you, and there's there's, there's no rushes. It's about building long term wealth in property, I believe. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it is a long term game, uh, and it can sometimes be souls as kind of a get rich quick scheme but it's definitely you're in it for the long game yeah 100 percent. and uh you know what i i'll be honest with you I've, I've tried some of those get rich quick schemes years ago and yeah they didn't pay a dividend at all because uh well i'm not rich at the moment <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what i mean i mean i i don't know if anyone that's tried one and it's worked for them but yeah maybe one day we'll get lucky yeah well i think the only ones that do work but it literally probably even work it probably works for the first people that start is those annoying pyramid schemes but uh you know the people that that lose out are the ones that join it you know after the founders yeah yeah definitely i think well you'll know this the more you kind of for some reason when you're active win property and you start making property friends the more like invites you get to these pyramid schemes like bitcoin and everything else and you just get some really weird friends requests yeah oh do you mean yeah so in terms of the whole because that was going to be my next thing in terms of um other assets do you invest in other assets so i was going to, i was going to ask do you invest in cryptocurrencies or uh gold or anything like that or would you look to invest in diversify other than property in the future yeah, so currently I don't invest in any assets um, just because everything I have goes into the business like Facebook ads and that kind of thing. Um, but I definitely look to invest in the future. Um, property would be the first one, so I think you've got to practice what you preach. And it's uh, it's definitely something I love. And then, you know what? I've not actually looked at many other investments. I investigated Forex for a while, but that just bored the life out of me. 
but I think if I was going to invest in one, it would be gold um, yeah. because I can definitely see that coming up. Gold is so for me. I've, I'm a gold investor, and I love investing in gold. And it's it's uh, it's long term growth. It, you know, you'll never see. You know, like I'm sure you may have heard the word Bitcoin appear up recently a lot because of the it's 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 growth as rapid. You know. I think a few months ago it was like seventeen thousand pounds, and now it's you know nearly twenty-five thousand pounds. And I think it reached thirty-three thousand dollars the other day at the time of uh, speaking on this talk show. But like you'll ne- you will never ever see that on gold. Well, according to history as well, it hasn't happened like an absolute spike like that. But it's a good gold is a good uh, investment for like a hedge against against like you know uh, currency. Like paper currency, basically, if that if that goes down with inflation, and yeah, I think Robert Kiyosaki as well is a huge advocate for investing in gold. Mm. Yeah, he is. Um, I watch his talk show actually, and he preaches it. He even preaches it in uh, buying silver as well. I think kind of all kind of commodities really, but you know, I'd I'd buy gold and silver, but you know, I don't know if I'd buy oil. I mean, how would you? I don't actually know how to buy oil. I know you can buy it on the you can buy like shares in it, but I wouldn't have a physical barrel of oil in my garden. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, I kind of wish I invested in oil at the start of the first lockdown because um, oh, yeah. the only time I filled up my car and the litres have come out more than what I'm actually paying for it. So, yeah, I should invest it then. Yeah, because it went down really uh, low, didn't it, at the start of last year, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, and uh, again with the uh, with the whole cryptocurrency thing as well, Uh that's that's another thing that people can invest in um but you know it's so volatile whereas again the compared to the property property it was it's not really it's long-term wealth isn't it property it's it's a good wealth vehicle yeah definitely and and i think it's consistently proven that it always grows just at a steady pace i mean in some places like manchester it was a bit more rapid the, the problem I have with the volatile ones like Bitcoin is you always hear that saying that if you've kind of heard about, you know, something as volatile as that or as successful as that, you're normally too late to get on the bandwagon. Um, and I've been saying that about Bitcoin for years, but it keeps going up and up and up. So, you know, maybe I am missing a trick with it. But I think property is definitely a sturdy investment. And the reason I like property is, like you said about the oil barrel, is it's tangible, you can see it, you can walk around it. There's something just a little bit more real. And I think that's why I definitely like it. Yeah, and it's good to see that you are focused on on the one thing as well, because it's so easy. And, you know, I've been a victim of it. It's so easy to be to be caught up into, like, all these different types of investments. And you're like, well, where, which one do I go? And then you kind of, you know, you dabble in one, dabble in another, instead of just focusing on one and, now, that's what you're doing. Are uh, you focusing on the one, and which is which is great? Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've definitely done the same in my early days. Tried chasing the shiny penny, but I think the more you stay focused on one thing, the quicker you, you know you get good at it and build up that success. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, with your friends and family, and you starting a business, are they are they supporting you in it, or does uh, because I think sometimes like you've got like an entrepreneurial kind of mind and sometimes i've found with the past some like sometimes friends and family don't really understand that but you know they support me no matter what but how how have you how have you found that 
Yeah, so I've always been reluctant to call myself an entrepreneur, but the more I've kind of gone on with, with certain things and the way my mind's working, and the more I speak to entrepreneurs like yourself, the more I realise, okay, maybe I do have a bit of it in me. Um, I I think to say I started up a business, I, I definitely expected more positivity around me than I got. You know, it's very split in the middle. You get some people who couldn't be prouder of you and are always pushing you and always supporting you, and then... I'd say the hardest thing for me starting up a business was some of the people I expected who I thought would really want me to win were the people that seemed to just want me to give up every kind of two minutes. So there's definitely a lot more negativity than I expected. And that's from friends and family and people I thought were, were close to me. And how have you coped with that? Um, I think at first it really got me down um, because there's only so, and I know you've meant to take life for a positive attitude, but there's only so much you can take from people who are wanting you to fail and calling you a failure before you sort of start thinking, you know, am I a failure? Maybe I'm not an entrepreneur. Maybe I should get back in my lane. Um, but after a while of hearing it, you just think, you know what, win or lose, I'm going to try it. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do it. And I think to fail, trying to do something is always better than to just never try it all. Yeah, I totally agree with that statement. And, uh, it's difficult sometimes because like you know you could ignore the noise all day but sometimes it'd be your subconscious that will eat away that little bit of you that that might tell you because i feel like i've been reading this book and it kind of tells you that your subconscious is out out to get you it wants you to fail that's why you have to train your subconscious to by you know consistently thinking positive no matter what obviously i'm not saying you have to be positive you know 100 percent of the day because we are allowed to have negative days of course it's just we're human at the end of the day but to train our subconscious to 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 get those grab those negative uh thoughts and what people say to us and and turn them around as opposed to let letting them eat us turn them into positives does that make sense yeah yeah no it, it completely makes sense and i think you're absolutely right there i did a lot of work into the subconscious and it, it definitely seems the case doesn't it that you're in a constant battle with with your own brain Oh yeah, every, every day, mate, every day. But you know, it's 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 learning and, and developing. And uh, you know, you ch- touched on something what you said earlier about you know you didn't think yourself as an entrepreneur, but you know, you I think you are. And just just having that mindset of what well, the mindset what you've already got, like that's an entrepreneur mindset because you're because you the fact that you want to adapt and grow whether it is a mindset and in business, well, that's entrepreneur straight away, isn't it? Like you don't have to, I don't think you have to own a business to be called an entrepreneur because even though that's what is considered an entrepreneur, I yeah. think my personal view on it is it's like an entrepreneur mindset. It's just thinking smarter and not harder. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, a really good way of looking at it, actually. Yeah. Um, I, to be an entrepreneur, you needed about five businesses, but I've realised now that, like you say, it can be separate from business and it can just be a mindset. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to have it's, there's, a, there's a difference. To, to be an actual entrepreneur, maybe you need to have like, a, you know, a couple of businesses, but to have an entrepreneurial mindset and be called an entrepreneur, then, yeah, it's just a mindset. But I just think that's a, a positive way way to look at it and just to not doubt yourself, basically. So, you, you know, you, if, you, if you want to be an entrepreneur, call yourself one. You know, you, you know, it's almost like actors, you've got to act a certain way to, you've got to, turn into that character so if you turn into that entrepreneur mindset and call yourself one if that's what gets you to be an entrepreneur and i think that's uh 
you're you're well, you're on that way anyway to head head into that having those businesses. Yeah, no, thank you. It's it's a long path, and I think, like you say, you've got to block out the noise. But I do feel myself getting there slowly but surely. Yeah, you will, mate. I'm sure. And as I said, you're young, and uh, yeah, plenty of years ahead of you. So, yeah, awesome stuff. So, yeah, we're just going to come to um, our last question before our random question section, and that is advice for others. What what? Give us some top three tips. It could be you know, in property, business, whatever you like? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'd say my first tip starting out is that going to, don't go into it expecting it to be easy. You know, don't expect to be making millions within a year. When I started out in property, I was honestly doing calculations on my phone, like this time next year, I'm going to be earning 75 grand, you know, and yet, you know, I'm, I'm still struggling to find deals uh, occasionally with the economy. So Never go into it expecting it to be easy because I think that will automatically deflate you. You know, expect it to be hard. And if you find deals easy and it does go well for you, then that's an added bonus. Um, number two will definitely be what we're saying about mindset. It's all about understanding how your mind works and the subconscious and understanding that some people around you are going to be negative uh, and you are going to face negativity. You know, I always thought you had to be a rock star or like Taylor Swift to get haters. You don't, you just need to step out of your lane and want to try something different and people will try and pull you down for that. And I'd say number three is get educated, um, understand property, read books, but the most important education is just speaking to people like yourself and growing your network, speaking to people within the industry and just understanding the realities of things. I think books and online videos have the place, but they can really make things look a lot prettier than they are. But when you speak to people that are on the ground doing things within property or business or anything you want to do, that's when you really get the nitty gritty and you see the darker side as well as all the pros. Fantastic <clears throat> tips. And going off the back of that, what what book would you recommend? Uh, your number one book, if you had to pick one. Right. I'm not going to recommend Rich That Pod because... <laughs> I should imagine almost everyone who, who speaks to recommends that one. Yeah. So instead, um, I recommend a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People um, for the reason being that it's just a great book on communication and not just, it, you know, it helps to understand how other people work. And it's been vital when speaking to an estate agent or a mortgage broker to be able to have a quick conversation with someone and then that call with them genuinely wanting to help you. Um, so I think it's a great book about mindset and understanding others and one of the greatest points is you can't win an argument and when you realize that it, it, it will change your life <clears throat> you know what just just that what you've said there like that is one of my top that's in my top three books actually and that was one of the, my key takeaways you, i mean i'm not an argumentative person anyway but you can't win an argument so whenever i'm in conflict and i'm sure you're the same it's like i just i just let the noise go in one ear and out the other and you know i feel so much better for it as well yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, if if you've got a girlfriend, though, that doesn't always work. I do like to get a rise out of here. So, but yeah, it's definitely a good one to learn. Yeah, well, um, I just nod and agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, hope she, I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> uh, awesome, mate. Uh, cool. Right, so random question time. So we're at the part of the show. I'm sure if you're an avid listener of the show, um you'll know what's coming up. So I ask you three random questions that I ask all my awesome guests and yeah, just answer them as you will. So question one is, 
What is your favourite movie? Uh, Django Unchained. But without a doubt, I'd say that that's definitely up there. Interested? Why Django? Do you, do you enjoy the? Uh, well, it is a great movie. I love it. Quentin Tarantino's one of his greatest. Yeah, I enjoy it mainly because I like action, um, and I, I just find it great. I think it's funny, and it's yeah, I like Quentin Tarantino, and it's also got some of the best actors in there. But actually, an, another one I'd say if I had to pick two would be Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know why that didn't jump into my head straight away. I think that's an amazing film. Yeah, look, I love them. They're both great films, and we've uh, we've had the Wolf Wolf of Wall Street on this show previously, so it's definitely a a show favorite for sure. Really, you've had John and Belfort. Um, oh no no oh, sorry i meant that we've had that answer <laughs> <laughs> god oh, you know what though that is a long-term goal for me to get someone like jordan on so uh jordan if you are listening in the world then uh come on my show please <laughs> so if, if you've gone from jordan belfort to me you've taken a bit of a step down there but... <laughs> no, don't put yourself down mate you're the next wolf of uh where are you from Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> there you go the wolf of yorkshire um Okay, question two, favourite destination? Uh, favourite destination? Oh, that's a tricky one, you know. Um, I'd say Edinburgh. Now, I, I've been kind of abroad and stuff, but I'd say Edinburgh just because I've always loved kind of the old medieval feel. Um, and I also used to be a stand-up comedian, so the Edinburgh Fringe and all the comedy. So it's definitely my favourite. So you, you've actually performed at Edinburgh Fringe? No, I didn't perform at the Edinburgh Fringe I was going to do, um, but I did do stand-up comedy for about a year, um, so I performed in other places. Oh, that's amazing. You know what, I would have asked you, uh, talked about that for a little bit, but yeah, that's awesome, mate. Yeah, uh, Really cool. We'll have to chat about that a different time. <laughs> love, love to know more, because uh, yeah, I love, I'm sure everyone loves comedy, but yeah, uh, I'm a massive uh, Lee Evans fan personally. I don't know who your favourite comedian is. Yeah, I do love a bit of Lee Evans and Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Quality comedy. All right, cool. Third and final question. Name something that grinds your gears. Um, cyclists. <laughs> um, it, it's got to be um, because I'm, I'm a calm man. Like, I'm quite calm, but cyclists just bring out like a kind of deep primal rage. So, yeah, definitely cyclists. Cyclists. It's just, just cyclists straight away. Love it. Yeah. I, I should um, probably to put a bit more thought into that <laughs> yeah just uh, just don't like cyclists any cyclists listening to the show I do do apologise <laughs> yeah watch out for Sam on the road he'll take you off the road <laughs> awesome mate so uh, just uh, on a final note then how can people get in touch with you um, best way to get in touch with me is you can do so on Facebook which is just Sam Cook um, I've, I've got my business page on there, but I'm more than happy for people to, to message me on my personal. Um, or you can reach me on my email, which is sam.cook, that's cook with an E, um, at fold, spell F-O-W-L-D-S, cook, just like my surname, property.com. Brilliant. Good stuff. Right, Sam, you've been an absolutely awesome guest and really appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for coming on, on the show. And I wish you the best of luck in your property journey. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure coming on. Thanks for having me. You're absolutely welcome. All right, everyone, that has been the All Right Talk Show. Uh, we will be back, of course, next week with another awesome guest. Ciao for now. Bye.